Mm, I think Dhamma should be talked about in dim lights. And <laughs> so I'm going to talk a little bit about metta. Um, it's kind of weird because uh, it's in the evening and we don't usually talk. But uh, I'm just going to talk a little bit just to help maybe tease a little idea about metta. Now, metta, for those of you that are new, is this uh, translated in English to mean loving kindness. And I'm going to tease a little bit here because I hated metta for so long. I thought it was the worst practice in the world and god-awful, sickening. And <laughs> I just hated it. It just seemed like it was all about... Uh, be nice. And I have such an aversive mind, the idea of being nice seemed weak to me, and so I didn't really want to practice it. But then something happened to me, and I didn't understand at the time it happened what it actually was until two weeks after the retreat. So I was at a retreat, and uh, I call it my dukkha retreat because it was so difficult, and so um, so much stuff was coming up, and all this negativity in the mind, and anger, and regret, and remorse, and just stuff that comes up sometimes in sitting. Uh, I've come to understand this as the body needing to get rid of some of the old energy around old stories we don't even need to carry anymore. And so this was my retreat where a lot of old stories were um, actually getting rid of, but I didn't know because I'm just struggling. And the room had about 200 people in there And the only BIPOC people was me and a woman named Amy from Canada. So there's like 200 people. I don't know anyone. And I don't even have my peeps with me. I'm just in this kind of negative energy. And my teacher, bless his heart, he he would look. I'd be in the back sitting in the chairs, and he would look at me, and he would say, thumbs up, thumbs up. And I'd be like, <laughs> I was so mad. And then I was in the dining hall one day, just eating, and I began to notice um, this quality of sound in the dining hall. It's very, it's very gentle and peaceful and I could hear the water urns and the pot washers and, and, and the way we moved through the line very kind to each other, very tender, even though we don't know each other, we don't talk to each other, we don't say anything, but there's this felt sense of intimacy that I could feel just sitting there with a cup of tea watching all these People move about. A lot of people in the dining hall moving about, very quiet, very still. 
and uh, just the sound of dishes and pot washing and water urns and and I felt this overwhelming sense of family, like everybody in that room was somehow part of me, cousins, uncles, aunties, grandmas, grandpas, nieces, nephews. It just felt like family, like I was in a huge family reunion. And I remember just sitting there. Uh, It's what James was describing. I was out of myself in that moment, and I was just there in this space with all these people that I was so connected to and so familiar with. It was so intimate. And just me, this cup of tea, and this whole dining hall of family members. And so I went back into the hall, and here comes my dukkha, grumbling mind, upset. And somehow this uh, realization came to me that everybody in that room was probably struggling with the same kind of difficulty. It wasn't really me. It was just the nature of sitting here and this idea, this true sense of gratitude for the fact that I could be there with all these people struggling over things and... It wasn't a sign of something bad, and this this appreciative joy just came to me, just very grateful, very still, a lot of compassion and care. And over the next couple of sits, or I think it was probably took like a day, I went from this grumbling, angry, complaining person to this equanimous being who was just with this difficulty. Retreat goes on, starts getting better, stiller, settled. I go home. I'm, you know, just back into my life. I was a trial attorney at the time, so I'm back into the swing of things. Finally got my head back, and I'm all cleared out, and no more stillness. We're rushing to work, and I was, I live in the inner city, and I was walking to downtown where the prosecutor's office was. And I'm just like rushing, walking to work. And all of a sudden, it hit me. That dining room was meta. This, I like stopped in the middle of the sidewalk. And all these people who are all, everybody's going to work. And then you're not supposed to stop. And I stopped because I had this realization that my understanding of metta was wrong. I thought of metta as trying to make me nice. But I think the niceness is a byproduct. What metta is doing is making me soft. It's making me uh, uh, gentle. It it shifts our view a little bit so that we can see things in a softer, kinder, gentler way. And so that capacity I could see 
that now I could be with my suffering in a softer, gentler way. I could be with the whole experience in a softer, gentler way. And that if I didn't have, if I didn't have that softer, gentler moment in the dining room, then the mind that was going to try to help free me was going to be this angry, complaining, grumbling mind. But that once I opened to this access of this softer, gentler capacity, I could be with anything. It didn't matter. I, could, I, I was softer, kinder. And I stood there uh, on the sidewalk, blown away, feeling like I had missed it, that I misunderstood metta, and that metta was actually the freeing part of practice. And I remember being in the teacher training, and I asked Joseph one time, I said, uh, why do we have one little metta sit after lunch (laughs) when you're sleepy, and we have all these other sits, we don't talk about metta. And I said, we should talk about metta, because I think it's about metta. Everything now, I'm like a born-again metta crazy person. (laughs) And then Joseph said, it's all about metta, Tuari. It always has been about metta. But if we told people, come on retreat, we're going to help you release the heart and step into this more loving, kinder way, nobody would be here. But if we say, come on retreat, we're going to help you get that mind under control, everybody shows up. Everybody wants to get the mind under control. And he said, but really what gets the mind to be malleable, controllable, I guess you could say, where your choice comes from, is this cultivation of metta. This cultivation of kindness softens us up so we can be with whatever's there. So over the course of the uh, time together, we're going to have a metta sit uh, right before dinner, and we're going to unfold all the different Brahmaviharas. I'm going to give a talk a little bit about this more tomorrow night so that you can begin to hopefully see that this metta is not just the secondary kind of like practice we kind of throw in there. It's really the secret teaching that if we made it too much about the metta, it would take all the specialness out of it. Instead, give you just a little bit so that you can kind of find out about this on your own. There's nothing more beautiful than feeling your own heart release on its own. So that's, that's sort of my little talk. And so uh, Eve has a song about this metta to help, help us see what it does for the heart. And then we'll sit a little bit before we say goodnight. Thank you, Tuari. That was wonderful. Um, 
Yeah, so we're learning to be in the moment and then to to hold it with kindness. And that is a that's a big learning, weirdly. It's like it sounds so simple and it isn't. And traditionally, um we start by holding ourselves in metta gentle friendliness that Tuari is describing. And for some very large percentage of us, this is hard, hard to hold ourselves in kindness. And certainly for me, it's been, it's been a, a, a long learning and an important part of my um, deepening in practice. Um, you know, really, like it was easier for me to be compassionate with other people than with myself. So James here um, wrote a book and teaches a class on awakening joy, and I used to sing for that class. and And it's a it, at the time it was a ten week, ten month class that met once a month, and each month had a different theme. And um, one time he asked me to come sing for the month in which the theme was loving ourselves. And I was completely flummoxed. I couldn't think of any song. I had no idea what, what to bring. So um, I wound up writing this song, and it's called Simple Truth. And like the simple truth that Tuari dropped into in the dining hall, we can drop into that same simple truth about ourselves. The way I see it, there are two choices. I can wait for all these voices to tell me I have made it. Or I can love myself the way I am. way I see it, there are two choices. Try to do it their way or find my own rejoicing music and play. I've been given a responsibility to love myself like I would love a child. Chaotic, wild, and turning, building bridges, bridges burning. Just as I am to love me. self-hatred protects me until the day no one rejects me if i reject myself first your coldness might not hurt as much maybe if i work harder try more do more faster longer the day will come when i feel loved by everyone been given a responsibility to love myself like I love trees, 
okay when branches crack and fall no striving no have to's at all the sparkling green that breathes me just as i am loves me No, I do not have it all together. I never have, and I never will. And I know that you don't have it all together either, cause nothing here was made that way. We're all falling, we're all flying, we're all playing, we're all dying. We've been given a responsibility to love ourselves like we love freedom. Using courage just to see the simple truth of you and me. Love looks like humble gratitude like endless forgiveness just as we are 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 the way I see it there are two choices we can wait for all these voices tell us we have made it or we can love ourselves as we are So I think that's your your lullaby for the evening. Going to send you off with wishes for sleeping well or further practice as you're called.